For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. The Memories. The clock is down to 48 seconds. 20 to 10, Colorado leads Nebraska. They have waited a long time for this. So many times, the red flood has come into Folsom Field, and they have gone back across the border to the north, the winner. It won't be this time. The Stories. Brucott to the corner for Carrington, intercepted! Colorado got it! Witherspoon with the biggest play in Colorado football for years. And now, as a supplement to over 40 years worth of CU football coverage in the CU at the Game archives, here is Stewart with his CU at the Game podcast. Greetings, Buff fans from CU at the Game. This is Stuart Whitehair, publisher and editor for the See at the Game website, and your host for the See at the Game podcast. Welcome to our first mailbag of the 2023 season. As we navigate the brief respite between the end of the recruiting cycle and the start of spring practices, I am joined by Brad Geiger to answer some of your questions. By the way, if you do have a question, comment, or concern, either about the podcast or the website, please just drop me a note at cu-at-the-game at gmail.com. Questions for this episode. Coach Prime took a few moments during the NFL Awards show to recruit. Were his comments appropriate for the venue? Does his comment, quote, we don't have no nil money either, by the way, end quote, come across as an admission that CU won't be able to compete with the big boys? Or... Is it a shrewd ploy to turn the NIL issue on its head? What's up with the Pac-12 media deal? Is the Pac-12 destined to have a disappointing payout? What do you think of the possibility of San Diego State and SMU joining the Pac-12? A good deal or a desperate move which will be mocked with the Pac-12 trading LA schools for two G5 schools? Are we getting overhyped about all the transfers? Only five of the 25 CU transfer players are blue-chip recruits, which means the other 20 are three-star players. Didn't CU just jettison 20 to 25 three-star players? Is CU really that much better off? And finally, what do you make of the demand for spring game tickets with over 27,000 already sold? Why all of this hype for a glorified scrimmage? Are Buff fans getting ahead of themselves here? Or is this proof that CU is, in fact, a sleeping giant? How would you answer these questions? Will you agree with our responses? Let's find out. Okay, and we're back. And I am joined from Highlands Ranch by one 
Bradford Lewis Geiger. Oh, we're going formal tonight. <laughs> How's Brad doing this evening? Brad's doing well. Uh, you know, have a quiet Valentine's Day with the wife this week and uh, just getting on by. So, uh, you know, it's the February doldrums, but there's enough to keep us interested and happy. Yeah, well, speaking of February doldrums, I mean, we're going to have lots to talk about when it comes to spring practices and spring rosters and potential cuts and storylines to watch. But March 19th is still a ways away, so we're going to dip into the mailbag and do some general CU and Pac-12 type questions. Thank you for those that sent in questions. Anybody that has an interest in future, you know, just see you at the game at Gmail. Always send me an email if you have any questions about the website or the podcast. That is always available to you. But we did get some questions about Colorado football and the Pac-12 that we're going to go through. And uh, Brad, I'll just start with uh, this came from Boulder Buff. And his question was kind of a three-parter. Uh, talk about Coach Prime. He was at the Super Bowl week making the rounds. One of the things he was there for was to present the NFL Coach of the Year Award, which I thought was pretty interesting that he got selected to do that. And at that award ceremony, he gave a little pitch for Colorado football. I can, it's pretty short, so I'll just read it to you. I would be remiss if I didn't take this opportunity to recruit, said Coach Sanders. I need all your cousins, your nephews, send them right to Colorado. We good? We don't have no nil money, by the way, either. So interesting that, you know, in front of all these NFL dignitaries and suit and tie and evening gown type of a, an event that he was talking about Colorado recruiting. So I guess the the first part of Boulder Buff's questions was, do you think that that was uh, an appropriate place for Coach Prime to be talking about C recruiting? Did it make you wince a little bit or was it uh, shrewd times six? I think it's, I think coming from anyone else, but then again, no other CU coach would be standing there. Um, (laughs) I think coming from any other coach, you can't uh, imagine Carl Durrell pulling that off. But this is Dion Shtick. What Dion sells is I'm 100% who I am. And I am 100% into whatever I'm doing. And, you know, I think the people there took it in the spirit in which it was intended. It was half joke, but it was also in keeping with the whole personality that coach prime has decided to live with. This is who I am. This is all I am. You know, when you see him on shows and everything else, he see you. And I think actually, if he hadn't mentioned see you there, it wouldn't have been consistent with who he's been. So yeah, like, like I said, nobody else, literally nobody else could have gotten away with that. But I think in front of that audience, it was the perfect timing at that point. Yeah, they just they kind of laughed it off and and moved on. But in terms of what he had to say, quote about, we don't have no nil money either, by the way. Would you take that as kind of a concession that CU is not a player in the the big boy leagues? Or is that a kind of a shrewd way of saying this is the way we do business at the University of Colorado under Coach Prime? Well, it's completely consistent with everything he said about how we're going to do business. I'm not here for the NIL. I'm here for the NFL. You know, the whole bit. That's how he's been doing it. 
And again, in that context, um, it's been fascinating to watch how people interact with Prime. It's quite clear this is who he's been his entire career. And, you know, he says stuff and people around him just go, oh, that's me on. Um, and so <laughs> I don't think they took it as an omission. I don't think they took it as anything factual. I think, it, think they took it as that you, if you are as confident as Coach Sanders is, if you are as consistently verbal about your confidence as Coach Sanders is, you got to throw in a little bit of somewhat self-deprecation once in a while, or it gets a little grueling. And I think his sprinkles of that are really interesting and effective. And then when he gets serious about, you know, this is not, the kids should not be playing for NIL, but that's not what they should be relying on. I think that prior humor comes back to work. Yeah. So again, I, it, it's, it's part of the personality we get. And there are stuff that he's going to say that in the moment you kind of sit back a little bit. That's who we got. But like I said, I don't think if we hired, you know, Bronco Mendenhall that we'd be asking about what <laughs> Bronco had to say at the NFL honors dinner. <laughs> yes, quite true. And um, I actually kind of like the way he's kind of turned the NIL stuff on its head that by saying we don't have any money and saying we're not about the NIL, we're about the NFL, that it kind of becomes a sales pitch to recruits that might be high profile recruits that are looking for NIL money. It's like, well, if I go up there asking for NIL money or if I'm, you know, sniffing around for what the best financial deal I'm going to get, Coach Prime, the Hall of Famer, is not going to take any interest in me. And I've got to show him that I don't care about NIL. And Coach Prime has said that, you know, we will take care of our guys, you know, in the sense of what NIL was actually supposed to be about, that these kids are not going to be, you know, begging their dorm mates for pizza on Sunday nights because they have no other way of getting any food and they can't have a part-time job because the NCAA won't let them have it. So we're going to have three meals seven days a week available to these students and we're going to make sure that they've got clothing and they've got their you know what they need the, in terms of books and backpacks and computers and that's what nil really should be supporting is not how nice of a car you should get but it should be about you know getting you through college and supporting you so you can do the the things on the field that you need to do and i think an important part of that is everybody on the team gets a coat everybody on the team gets three meals you know, it's not, we know that Texas A&M or Alabama are setting up a hierarchy. It's not just who's the captain. It's the guy who got paid the most. And that may not be the captain. And that may not be the quarterback. And so I think part of what Dion's selling is, listen, I'm going to treat everybody that makes this team well. Okay? We are not going to, our hierarchy is going to be based on how you perform on the field, not how much the sponsor, how much the sponsors like you. Right. And I think that's a good sell. Yeah. Uh, I think it, it's, I think it sells in the living rooms. I think it sells with guys who want to perform. And I think it particularly sells with guys who think they have something to prove. Yeah. And that's well, what, you know, transfers, nobody's here as a transfer from a division, from a high division school, because it was working out great because right. they were making 13 million. <laughs> okay. That's a sell to listen. 
yeah, you were in a program at Alabama where the quarterback was getting paid X millions of dollars. If you come here and you work hard, you're going to be treated well. But you're not going to be in that hierarchy where it matters which car dealer likes you best. Yeah. And I think that, yeah, it's got to sell with the moms. Might not sell with some of the dads. You know, they don't want to get the, the cash in on their sons that yeah. they've, you know, been coaching up since they were six years old. But I think with the moms, that's going to resonate. And it's not as far off the map as Stanford's had to go. Oh, um, I don't know if you saw the the quote from uh, the new Stanford coach, Troy Taylor, basically says, I mean, I understand I'm going to have to live without NIL. I'm not going to be able to get transfers. And his quote was, we're going to be an anomaly in college football. Well, I think the University of Colorado has been kind of an anomaly in that sense in college football. If you think getting beat by an average of 51 to 17 every week is uh, makes you an anomaly. But I, yeah. I think that's whistling past the graveyard, don't you? I mean, I think Stanford's in a world of hurt when it comes to modern college football. I think the Ivy League would be glad to have Stanford. <laughs> yeah. But I don't, you know, if, if, if he can compete in the Pac-12 with that, and we've always wondered, I mean, let's, Stanford's punched above its weight for a while. And then David Shaw just couldn't. And I don't know that anybody else under those conditions is going to be able to do it. Yeah. Well, one thing when uh, Coach Sander was going up and down media row and they saw some of the videos, I mean, like he knows literally everybody. And people are coming up, even when he was doing a conversation with somebody else, somebody else would come up and grab him. That was another celebrity or, you know, some other big wig. One thing, and this is part of what Boulder Buff was asking about the interviews, you know, he, he always kept saying it's not cold in Boulder. And was that a little bit of overkill? And, you know, 30 degrees in Dallas is a lot worse than 30 degrees in Boulder. And, and that's that's a true statement. That is not untrue. It is not untrue. But that is, I have been in Dallas during an ice storm. I will take any Boulder snowstorm I have ever been in over a Dallas ice storm. <laughs> right. But, I mean, CBS did an entire story on recruiting and you know that the florida kids you know never been past georgia they've never had a jacket and it's just you know they don't understand what it what snow is like and stuff like is that i don't know if it's not wearing thin but it just seems like he might be hitting that one over the head a little bit too much yeah i i i, I could go there but of course i'm a you know fourth generation colorado i'm a little tired of that from whatever you get but Right now, we're giving him the benefit of the doubt. And I don't know. He, he was a Florida kid. He is a Florida State graduate. He played in the South, with the exception of San Francisco, which could be as cold as any place in Colorado for every bit. So if he thinks that that's how to talk to those boy, those young men, I'm not going to judge him right now. Now, if we get to a game in November and he doesn't have any idea how to change a game plan when it's blowing snow, then maybe it's a problem. But there's other guys there, I think, who can figure that out. Yeah. So uh, moving on from Coach Prime a little bit, a uh, question from Stephen D, or Steve D, sorry. Might be Stephen. What's up with the Pac-12 media deal? Is the conference destined to have a disappointing payout? Well, we learned today that, uh, at least on Twitter, that CBS and Turner are no longer bidding Fox has already been out. ESPN's limiting, probably just wants the, 
you know, the late night uh, Pac-12 yeah. after dark type of game. The Pac-12 itself issued a statement, which I'm I'm still trying to figure out. I mean, it's I'll, <laughs> I'll, I'll read it. It's only a couple of sentences. The 10 Pac-12 universities, okay, by the way, this is, we're not talking about UCLA and USC. They're already out the door. We're not putting their logos on anything. The 10 Pac-12 universities look forward to consummating successful media rights deals in the very near future. Based upon positive conversations with multiple potential media rights partners over the past weeks, we remain highly confident in our future growth and success as a conference and united in our commitment to one another. Wow. Uh, yeah, that's uh, that's a whole lot of nothing in two sentences that, you know, they've been doing this since last July. And their statement is, we're working on it and we're committed to each other and we love each other. We're not breaking up and we're going to have something for you in the very near future. Yeah. Uh, There's a little bit of trust us as an undertone in there. Yeah. Um, I mean, what, what bothers you the most to the fact that they obviously don't have a contract and they're announcing that they're working on a contract or the fact that they're still saying that United, which is of course what everyone says right before they break up. No, there is. And, and to answer the question, I believe, yes, we're going to have a disappointing deal. I think compared to the big 10 and the sec and the ACC even, yeah, it's going to be disappointing. We're late to the party. We're late on television because we play in the Pacific and Mountain time zones. It's, I am concerned. I think it's going to be a challenge. And I think we're going to have to, I mean, Pac-12 is going to have to prove itself. And my hope is that it is, enough to keep us going while we try to figure out how this is going to look in, in what I think will be a changed media market and a changed conference market again in about four or five years. But uh, yeah, if, if you're concerned about whether or not there's going to be how this is going to go, you should be. Um, yeah. I don't, I, I, I think you should be firing up your computer because I think we're going to be on a lot of streaming. Yeah. That seems to be the methodology. Maybe the, Again, you know, they might be ahead of the game as it turns out. But then again, the Pac-12 network being wholly owned by the conference was supposed to be ahead of the game and turned yeah. out to not be that. It turned out to be a really bad financial mistake by the Pac-12 compared to, say, the Big Ten that had a 49% interest with Fox and is making literally twice as much money per team as uh, Pac-12 teams are making. So. Yeah, I don't know what's going to come of it. The Big 12 ended up with 31.6 million per team um, on average, you know, their contract going forward. And they seem to be pretty content with what they've got going on. And George Klavkoff, Pac-12 commissioner, seemed to be pretty sure that he was going to get in the $40 million range. But now it seems like the Pac-12 members would be happy with 31.6. Would that be a fair statement if as long as they get as much as the the Big 12 is getting, we you know, so they don't lose any members? If we match the Big 12, Kliakoff will lead a parade down Hollywood Boulevard, claiming victory over all comers. Yeah. Um, with massive explanations about why 
it's different with the SEC and the Big Ten because guess what? It's different with the SEC and Big Ten. Yeah. Well, yeah, there's no plans, hopes, or dreams of being anywhere near the Big Two, but you at least want to be not number five. And that seems to be the direction that, you know, the Pac-12 has been in, you know, not getting teams in the college football playoff and things like that. And certainly in terms of the media attention and, well, now in terms of actual, you know, dollars trying to keep people in the conference. Well, kind of tied into that, there was a question from uh, Brian in sunny Southern California. What do you think of San Diego State and SMU joining the Pac-12? Is this a good deal or is it a desperate move which will be mocked with the idea of trading the L.A. schools for two G5 programs? So UCLA and USC brand schools for San Diego State and SMU, that doesn't sound like a very fair trade. Or are we looking at the fact that we've got to get the, we being the Pac-12, need the Southern California market before maybe the big 12 comes in and takes it. Well, I don't see any choice, but to add players or add teams. It's absolutely necessary. And having lost the Southern California market, I don't know who else we got out there. So um, San Diego state in particular, it's what's out there. You know, I haven't done as much look at uh, SMU, but having a team in Texas isn't bad. Yeah. And they've rebuilt to some extent. I mean, we're not trading. Nobody would trade UCLA for USC, but we didn't get that option. They left. Yeah. Okay. We have to do, and we aren't going to, there aren't two teams of that quality left out there. So we take what we're going to get. And of those remaining, like San Diego State, I know they're trying to aim higher. And I think they do bring some eyes. SMU at least brings some people watching from Dallas. Would I pick two other schools if I had the pick of all? Yes. If, but picking the two that we need to take, yeah, these are the two schools that I'm at least moderately satisfied with. Yeah. Well, San Diego State, like you said, you know, has got a brand new stadium and has a big fan, you know, well, not a big fan base, but a big market, at least in terms of eyeballs that potentially could be watching games and if nothing else it might be good to have san diego state just so the big 12 doesn't get san diego state you know there's no way that you know the big 10 is going to reach out to san diego state you really don't think the sec would care about san diego state so it's really either they go to the pac-12 or they go to the big 12 and i listened to a interview with the big 12 commissioner brett yormark who is really an intelligent sounding guy. Not that Klyavkov is not, but right. you know. And he said, Hey, I've been talking about a fourth time zone since I took the job last July, you know, and that, uh, you know, he's not trying to step on anybody's toes, but he says, That's my vision. That's been my vision since I took the job. And they got into the third time zone with BYU. And now the fourth time zone, unless there's a team in Alaska or Hawaii that we haven't, <laughs> the, the Rainbow Warriors probably are not going to be joining anybody's conference anytime soon. So it certainly would make sense to have somebody nab San Diego State and, yeah, being able to recruit and have games in Southern California, I think, would be 
you know, something that the Oregon, Washington, Utah, Colorado, Arizona type people would be interested in having. So, yeah, and, and it, it's not a like extent said, with SMU. I mean, there, there yeah. are people who play football in Texas. Yes. There are high schoolers who, by all accounts, play pretty good football in Texas. And so, you know, having having that ability to say, come up and watch us. And SMU has aspired to be back in the highlights since you and I are old enough to remember them getting the death penalty. Yes, the Eric so, the, the Pony Express and Eric Dickerson. Yes, the the bad old days of they they just bought players and didn't care. They were just ahead of their times. They weren't bad. They were just you know well ahead of their time. But yeah, yeah. I mean, certainly yeah, about the idea three and a half decades. Yeah. <laughs> But certainly, yeah, if you're going to have players you're recruiting in Texas and say, well, your mom can come and watch you play, um, they certainly yeah. have some appeal to it. So, um, yeah, we'll have to see how it all shakes out. But I think that uh, the Pac-10 is not going to be staying the Pac-10, that they're going to have to go to the Pac-12, 14, or 16 by the time this is all done. So that's definitely going to be – unfolding this spring give us something to talk about which is always helpful we appreciate that thank you very much pac 12 so get your act together get a media rights contract that we can argue about and then get your expansion done either at the same time or shortly thereafter now we got a question here i thought was pretty interesting and we don't have to go too much into the weeds on this at least in terms of specific names and numbers but from prime time buff i'm sorry prime buff fan we are getting, I wonder if that is a new a, a new moniker. Yes, I don't think he was prime <laughs> buff fan before the last two months. Are we getting overhyped on all the transfers? Yes, CU has a top five transfer class, but isn't that mostly due to quantity, not quality? Only five of the 25 transfers are blue chip, four or five star recruits, which means the other 20 are three star players. Didn't CU just jettison 20 to 25 three-star players? Is CU really that much better off? Fair question, or is it pretty obvious that there's been an upgrade in the roster since December? Well, I, I would invite Prime Buff to meet us at one of the games so that I can slap him upside the head. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Before the hiring of Coach Sanders, is anybody thought we were going to get five blue chip transfers? No, no, uh, -uh. again, no. Uh, this is just <laughs> they are better than who we had. They are better than what we had any reasonable right to expect. Overhyped. Do I think again that they're going to come in and automatically? miraculously transform this team into challengers for the national championship. No. So if that's what you think we're getting, then yes, they're overhyped. If however, you have been a CU fan for as long as we have been CU fans, this is, we have never had, we haven't had a recruiting class with that many blue chips for decades. We've never had a transfer class like that for decades. Um, yes, of course they could disappoint and three stars could step up. And by the way, numbers matter too. So I'm not going to buy this, oh, it's just numbers kind of stuff. It's numbers of guys that the current coaching staff can play their, think, can play their style. 
well, let's just not get completely hung up on how many stars some guy who sits in his basement and watch highlights thinks. All right. Okay. These are guy, these are the right, hopefully these are the right three stars. They are better four stars than we had because we didn't have any. They are better <laughs> five stars than we had because we didn't even dream of having any. Yeah. So no. Again, no, this is not overhyped. This is a big darn deal. Yeah. Well, I'm gonna, you know, there's a couple of I'll I'll sway both ways on this. I mean, I, I certainly agree that having the number of four star players that we have is exponentially better than what we previously had. And, you know, we're not going to have 22 starters that are four and five stars. And you sound like you have a, a roster like in Alabama or Ohio State where it's 40 or 50 blue chip players on the rosters. And the third string guys are four star players that are waiting their turn to get one and a half years of playing time before they go to the NFL. But again, that being said, you're only playing 22. You're not playing 85. And so if you can get eight, 10 blue chip players and put four or five of them on both sides of the ball, well, that's kind of half the team that's out on the field. Yeah. So all of a sudden, you know, you're semi-competitive here. Now, the flip side, I'll make, you know, both arguments. Listen to another podcast. I listen to too many, apparently, podcasts <laughs> that are not the See You at the Game podcast. Thank you for listening. Where he talked about JAG, um, which he calls, stood for just another guy. That coaching staffs and fan bases, you know, whatever you've got, whatever the next guy is, is better than what you got. And the idea being that, Yes, Tommy Brown came from Alabama, but he wasn't a starter at Alabama. You know, that type of thing. If you look at the players other than like maybe Tommy Brown and Josh Chandler Semedo, who led the team in tackles, he was a starter at West Virginia. You know, you got a lot of guys that weren't starters. And, you know, coaches kind of get sold on the idea that the potential of what they were a four-star three years ago in high school and maybe for whatever reason they're not working out, maybe there's something besides, you know, them just getting older, not getting a chance to play. And if they're a, a backup at this school or a part-time starter, there might be a reason for them being a backup or a part-time starter. Maybe that they're not actually all that good. So I, I understand both arguments, but I'm definitely coming down on your side, Brad, in the sense that, you know, damn spanky, whatever we've got going on, it's infinitely better than what we what we had. And if we can put a half dozen four-star players on the field, even if it's just three on offense and three on defense, then that makes this team a whole lot better than what they were, what we've been in the last five, six years, at least since the 2016 team. Especially at quarterback, especially at cornerback, especially at running back, especially at wide receiver. Um, I will give you two names, not to compare anybody on CU's roster with this, but when you're talking about transfers who didn't work out someplace and then went on to do okay, Joe Burrows did not start at LSU. Yeah. Okay. Jalen Hurts started at Alabama, didn't start at Alabama, started at Alabama, didn't start at Alabama, <laughs> went to Oklahoma, he can play some football. Yes. Okay. There are uh, USC Kicked the living heck out of us with, with guys who couldn't work out at their last school. Okay. Yeah. Sometimes change of circumstance does make a difference. Yeah. 
And, you know, you could get a Christian Gonzalez that, you know, actually becomes a first round draft pick. You know, he didn't, mm-hmm. not going to, you know, thank Colorado when he gets up on the podium for being a first round draft pick. He's going to be a wearing Oregon duck collars, but mm-hmm. still, yeah. you know, there's a potential to have four or five star production out of the University of Colorado if we can get the players in here and certainly have the coaches to develop them, which I think is another you know, obvious upgrade here is the fact that the coaching staff, again, we get excited about, you know, high school offensive line coach that's been out of work, you know, coming in, he's got all these great ideas. Well, yeah, no, that didn't work out so well. But when you've got former head coaches coming in uh, with years of head coaching experience uh, to be assistant coaches, yeah, you, you tend to think that we're in better shape than getting offensive line high school out of work, high school offensive line coaches yeah. to, to come and coach for us. Yeah, I mean, when you get, I mean, we've got a defensive coordinator coach to Bama. That's, you know, I, I, I'm going to assume, and he's one of the best recruiters. Yeah. And, you know, I'm going to kind of assume he knows what kind of player he wants to play on his defense. And yeah. so, yeah. Are we giving this coaching staff the benefit of the doubt? Unquestionably. We would have done that again with whatever coach we picked. Bronco Mendenhall, whatever guy we got, we'd have given them that. This is objectively better than we had any right to assume. And the results are objectively better than we had any right to assume. So take a deep breath. I've been as, you know, we've been as beaten down as anybody, but there are our hope is not unreasonable here and this is coming from a guy who picked CU over um tcu at the beginning of last season <laughs> yeah we're gonna have a tough time well but we were 76 at halftime and we weren't uh it wasn't wholly unreasonable at the time to think that CU had a chance and there's they have their seven points was on a punt return you know and we actually yeah. shot out tcu's offense in the first half of the first game last year so one in 11 teams can do weird things if you give them the opportunity. So parenthetical to that, it's not one of the questions we got from uh, the mailbag, but are you okay with, I think we've kind of touched on this a little bit, you know, with Coach Dion being out in the national media all the time, that there are enough, I don't know if Willie Taggart's actually shown up in Boulder, you know, or anything like that, but having enough coaches that are here watching film and, watching the weight room and, you know, talking in general terms and looking at film, but it's okay that the head coach is out building the brand as opposed to sitting at, sitting in his office, watching film. You really think Nick Saban's sitting in the Alabama locker room right now or weight room or, you know, what pick your amazing coach or not so amazing coach. Who's just getting really well paid. This is the game now. All right. Head coaches are CEOs. They're not the guys who are making sure that the day-to-day operation works. They're the guys who are making sure they pick the guys who make the day-to-day operation. Um, And so Deion Sanders is not going to be judged by how well he puts together a game plan. Deion Sanders should be judged by how well he puts together a team of coaches that put together the game. Right. Now the buck stops there. And to coach prime's, um, credit, I don't think he disagrees with us in any possible way. 
But when he walks in talking about, here's the time you're going to put in, here's the effort you're going to put in, that sells because that's what he's always done. Yeah. And that the guys that he has hired, yes, I, I see Coach Sanders everywhere you could possibly be. Have you seen his assistant coaches out doing that? Are they out selling themselves for the next head coaching position? Because I haven't. Right. Go but ahead. They're there doing what they should be doing. Yeah. And to that end, I don't know if you saw the, the, the whole saga about Notre Dame trying to hire offensive coordinator and whether or not CU's offensive coordinator from Kent State, Sean Lewis, was going to you know make a lateral move before he ever coached it down in Colorado and yeah. go to Notre Dame that they were talking about the Utah offensive coordinator who actually went to Notre Dame and, you know, interviewed and stuff like that. They said that they couldn't seal the deal and they couldn't make it work out with the offensive coordinator at Utah and part was because he didn't have a chance to talk to his head coach because Kyle Whittingham was wait for it at the Super Bowl. Now we didn't see Kyle Whittingham on media row doing 16 interviews an hour because, well, that's not, Kyle Whittingham's deal, but he was at the Super Bowl. So Kyle Whittingham, you know, two-time reigning Pac-12 champion coach, he wasn't burning the midnight oil in the Salt Lake City coach's room. He was enjoying himself at Phoenix at the Super Bowl. And, I, you know, technically, I don't think they're supposed to be there right now. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it, it's we still have strange rules about when coaches can be doing stuff and when they can be meeting and that kind of stuff. Right. Uh, again, Coach Prime has some experience in college football. The rest of the staff has a lot of experience in college football. And yeah. so, again, we just have to assume that what's going to happen is that they're doing the job they're supposed to be doing at this point. I doubt any inch of CU film from last year has gone unwatched. And for that, on behalf of all fans, we apologize to the new staff. <laughs> yeah, they're, they're, if, if they've done watched film from every game last year, they've already earned their pay. For the year. For, <laughs> yeah, the, the pay that. increase has been well earned. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, the, the last question got from the mailbag, and you're going to like this moniker, Jake from State Farm. That's <laughs> Guys are hitting it tonight. Yeah. I, I'm very proud of all of them. Yeah, Jake from State Farm asks, what do you make of the demand for spring game tickets? This year's game will easily be the largest ever for a spring game, and I just in parentheses for you, Brad, that the record is 17,800 set in 2008. Why all the hype for a glorified scrimmage? Are CU fans getting ahead of themselves here? Or is this a sign that CU has really been a sleeping giant all of these years? What do you make? And, and they announced, or I saw reported today that uh, they've sold over in less than a week, $27,010 tickets to CU's 2023 spring game, which obviously yeah. would be a, a record. And I this might be, I don't know if for sure, but I think it's the first time they've ever even charged for a spring game and they're gonna set a record. What do you what do you make of this? Are, are the fans just gaga over Dion and don't understand that this is a one in eleven team that's got a lot of work to do, or is this just the the beginning of what's gonna be a great ride? Oh, I, I don't know if you can take anything. One, yes, they're excited. Two, it's a chance to be in Boulder in the spring sitting in the stadium. Um, so if a few students or a few dozen or a few tens of thousands of students show up, perhaps having 
enjoyed the spring day before they got there or planning on enjoying the spring evening once they finish are enjoying themselves who's to, who's to blame them yeah it's it's a bit of unreasonable enthusiasm um i don't think that that's necessarily a bad idea i there is every chance that i will make the trek to boulder base solely upon the weather report yeah i don't think it means we're a sleeping giant although i mean our attendance for the last two years has been completely unexpected giving our performance yeah so i think there was some pent-up demand for good football and apparently even pent-up demand last year for bad football so yeah there's some of that but i think also some of it is hey it's cool to go to a game and for 10 bucks we can go sit there and cheer coach sanders and watch what's going on and nobody cares how it looks there's okay there's going to be 50 guys in the press box who care how it looks and it may be me and a couple of my friends sitting there also caring about how it looks but the rest of them are there because it's an experience geez it's nice to think about a cu football anything being an experience again yeah well, you know, that same nice weather held last year and, you know, 1,500 people wandered into the stadium. So right. it's uh, certainly a different dynamic. And even though I think there's going to be some pressure, and I'm sure, you know, we're not the first ones to think of this, they're going to have to have something more than just, uh, you know, some workouts. And then I think they ran four different offensive plays last year over and over again. Um, in a half of a scrimmage, I think they're going to want to do something a little more entertaining. But by the same yeah. token, and you and I, I'm sure, will you know, be white knuckling in about the fact that TCU is going to watch the spring game, and Nebraska coaches are going to watch the spring game, and CSU coaches are going to watch the spring game. So you don't want to go completely overboard trying to create a full experience of a spring game and let the world know how well. Shadur Sanders passes the ball to Jimmy Horn and whether or not, you know, a freshman quarter, you know, running back is going to do well or whether or not the defensive line or the offensive line is, you know, got its starters picked out. So, yeah, I, I don't know. It's, it won't. Yeah. I mean, it's uh, interesting. I hope, you know, that Ralphie runs, I hope the band is there. I hope that they have some, aspect to it that you know adds to the fact that it's just a, a glorified scrimmage so people don't come away discouraged yeah. but uh it's probably going to be nationally televised by somebody somebody's going to want to show the first time coach prime runs out onto Folsom field mm -hmm. so you know all you can say is well jake from state farm uh we might be too bad neil's not here i was going to say skiing over our tips you know head over <laughs> <laughs> probably got the terminology wrong and Neil would have to correct me on that. But I, you know, I think that uh, we might be getting a little bit ahead of ourselves in terms of enthusiasm, but Hey, any enthusiasm is better than the, the morose, despondent, abject you know, <laughs> depression that we've been through for the last couple of years. Yeah. And that was from the head coach. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> if, our position is that what Neon Dion Sanders does needs to be more entertaining than what Carl Durrell did. I mean, there are low bars. Yeah. <laughs> and then there is that one, which is if not laying upon the ground, is actually into an excavated ditch. You know, <laughs> never disliked Coach Durrell, but pumping the program was not what he did. 
So yeah, I suspect we're going to have music. We're going to have sound. We're going to have lights. We're going to have videos. We're going to have Buffalo. We're going to have, you know, whatever else you can make this worth because not just coach Sanders believes that the entire athletic department, believes that the athletics, the video department, everything else, that's the energy he's brought. Yes. Okay. Uh, you and I have a close friend who now works for the CU athletics. Her Facebook page is, you know, a, a sea of smiling faces. <laughs> and it's yeah. again, February. Yeah. And, you know, and, and the men's basketball team is disappointed and the ski team fired its coach and 114 other things, although go women's basketball and everybody just there having a heck of a good time. Yeah. And if Dakota, if prime shows up, it's a party. Yeah. I mean, there, there are a little bit more discussion about what coach prime wears at the spring game than anything <laughs> that Carl Durrell would have said at the spring game last year. There will be more coverage of what clothing choices he makes and what sunglasses oh, yeah. he wears at the spring game. And I'm sure he'll be mic'd up and um, oh, yeah. you know, we'll have plenty of videos of before, during, and after to, you know, to watch and dissect after the fact. Oh, but we will see the pregame speech. We will see the postgame breakdown. We will, I'll be surprised if he doesn't show us the pregame, you know, two days before pregame preparation. Yeah. There will be highlight reels. There yeah. will be, this is how it's going to be. And it, by gosh, it's how it should be. Yeah. Well, you certainly make it a lot easier for me at see with the game on the website to find material to post because <laughs> Coach Prime is everywhere. And it is a, there is you know, a plethora is, of riches. <laughs> and he has given hope back to the University of Colorado football program. And for that, even giving us nine months without football, get, giving us hope for nine months. Yeah, a little spring to our step that we wouldn't have had. If we were sitting here with Carl Durrell year four, coming off a 1-11 season with recruiting class in the 60s, trying to figure out whether or not the four or five transfers that might have had the chance to start somewhere else are going to become the stars of the future, and whether or not Jordan Tyson will ever make it back and whether Nico Reed's going to leave the team, yeah, it would have been a it would have been a, a tough off season. So he's already done more in a couple of months than we could have ever hoped or dreamed about. So thank you for those that uh, contributed to the mailbag. We're not doing this very often, but we will do it again probably after spring practices when we get the the lull between spring practices and the June preseason magazines, which will be interesting to talk about this year for a change. So thank you, Brad, for being here. And uh, we will talk again as spring practices get a little bit closer. Oh, it, uh, as the weather warms up, so does the energy. So, uh, so I think it's going to be a fun spring. Thank you both for listening to this podcast and for being a member of the Buff Nation, which is finally being rewarded for its loyalty. I hope that you are subscribing to the podcast so that you won't miss any of the upcoming episodes. We have partnered with Mile High Sports and are proud to be part of their podcast network. As before, you can find the See What the Game podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, and other podcast sites. Or, if you're not a fan of downloading podcasts, all of the episodes can be listened to at the See You at the Game website.
I will be back soon with Neil and Brad, and we'll start looking ahead to spring practices, along with all the other news of the day with respect to Coach Prime's buffs. Until then, be well, stay safe, and go Buffs! Thank you for listening to our See You at the Game podcast. For links to articles and stories referenced in this podcast, go to cuatthegame.com. That's the letter C, the letter U, at thegame.com. If you have comments or suggestions, you can leave them on the website or send an email to cuatthegame at gmail.com. If you've enjoyed this podcast, please be sure to subscribe and share it with your fellow Buff fans. Until next time, when we will again see you at the game. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.